Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And I guess this is a special edition. It's Saturday, November 7th. A momentous edition. Uh, Just this morning, um, uh, several media outlets declared, uh, you betcha, um, Ooh, betcha. Biden's the winner. And, of course, uh, Minnesota and Dakotas weren't, you know, the heroes in the story. Split. But the you betcha uh, accent is appropriate because this was a win for all of America. Left coast, right coast, middle America. So we're going to do a postmortem, of course. Uh, at the end of the episode, though, we're going to re- revert to our fun feature, Moron of the Week, because we have an Italian restaurant owner, Connor, who is really, he qualifies for Moron of the Week. We'll, we'll tell you about that uh, Can't wait. at the end. But in the meantime, so much to talk about in terms of a postmortem of the election. Before we get to you know, the whys, the wherefores, and explanations, uh, as we speak, Connor, mm-hmm. uh, very important press conference. Extremely is important on. press conference occurring. So it occurred today. It has it has just now wrapped up. We've got some uh, uh, some great live tweeting that was done by reporters. This was a press conference called by uh, uh, tweeted out by the president. He he tweets out that the Four Seasons Philadelphia there will be a press conference at 11 a.m. by his lawyers. That's people led by Rudy Giuliani, president's personal lawyers. They're going to talk about you know voter fraud and uh, ballots. You know. Uh, Propriety or whatever, right? Yeah, so, so as of now, Saturday morning, yeah. in spite of the fact that it's it's definitive in terms Called. of the calls, yeah. the president is not giving up. Mm-mm. He is still sticking to the idea right. that there was vote fraud. So he and sends, he's going to pursue litigation. And his new ramped up legal team is going to go to work Monday morning. Right. Uh, well, they're going to go to work Saturday today, right. yeah, well, doing sure. this press conference. Darn it! At the Four Seasons in Philadelphia, that Trump then immediately deletes nice hotel, that tweet. Big, Very beautiful nice. hotel. Very right? nice hotel. Yeah. Uh, about a minute after tweeting that. Uh, this press conference would happen at, at 11 at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. Trump deletes the tweet <laughs> and then reposts a new tweet that says, big press conference today in Philadelphia at Four Seasons Total Landscaping, 11.30 a.m., 30 minutes later. What in the world is the background of that? What, Everybody panicked. What went wrong? Everybody has no idea what's going on. Okay, so he says Four Seasons 
total landscaping. Maybe there's some some, we- some sort of weird stunt that they're going to do at some business uh, that that is for some reasons called the Four right. Seasons, right? So uh, the world's press convene on this location, the the Four Seasons total landscaping. Trump fans show up, Biden fans show up. They're and it's pro- a, they're a strip yelling. mall in an it, industrial area. It's right? a, it's an empty lot. In front of a landscaping company with a an adult bookstore on one side and a crematorium on the other <laughs> no, side. No, 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 no. You cannot make Swear this Swear to up. God, Fantasy Island adult bookstore, the dildo shop, is looking directly into the lot where Rudy Giuliani and all wow. the other lawyers are standing. They put up a podium. They put up speakers. They take over this lot. And everybody's standing around going, why are we here at the Four Seasons? What could possibly be the explanation The only explanation. This? I mean, I assume yeah. that they thought they were going to be at a Four Seasons hotel facility that Somehow somebody messed up and it wasn't booked for that. Right. And instead of just saying, well, we'll just do it in front of City Hall <laughs> or anywhere, or we'll do it in some other hotel. Right. How hard can it be for somebody within the, the GOP empire right. to get some hotel of decent repute? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to a no-tell motel, and yet they stuck with the strip mall parking lot. (laughs) My first thought is it's an accident, right? My first thought is the only explanation is they they, they screwed this up and just sent everybody to the wrong location. But the deleted tweet and the delay of 30 minutes is that the the two buildings, the Four Seasons Hotel in Philly and this landscaping company, are 30 minutes apart, basically 25. So they delayed it 30 minutes. They realized at some point this is not at the hotel, uh, Four Seasons. This is at the landscaping company, which means to me what happened is Trump tweeted out big press conference with my lawyers right. at the Four Seasons. They called up the Four Seasons and said, we want to use your ballroom. We'll pay you whatever, $15,000 or whatever that costs. And the Four Seasons either said we're full or, in my opinion, more likely because of how this played out, they said, ah, we don't want a political press conference. We don't want a Trump event. We don't want to get involved in this, whatever. They, we don't want to play host. And that was so offensive and potentially embarrassing to the Trump campaign that they said, the only way to cover our butts here and to save face is to pretend that we wanted to go to the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Company parking lot like Kofifi. all along. Kofifi, yeah. when he you know, had a little typo. Right. And uh, the press said, well, what's that? And I think uh, his, his oh, representative yeah. said, well, yes, it's a word. It actually means something. Yeah. And apparently, uh, you know, the ego factor would not allow the administration to acknowledge. It's incredible. That, you know, we just made a typo. It's, it's unbelievable. And instead of the story being about Giuliani saying... I've got these three or four guys behind me who all say that there were voting irregularities. Uh, that would have been the story. Instead, they've shot themselves in the actual butt, and all anyone's talking about is the Four Seasons total landscaping. Meanwhile, by the way, those guys behind Giuliani who are testifying, the, the gist of their testimony was, I had to stand 20 feet away, which is the law. So, whatever. So the good <laughs> news is that this is not this, this fiasco over the press conference. It's not the worst thing that happened to Donald Trump this week. That's so, true. You're from, right. From his perspective. That's a good point. So let's try to do a little postmortem and understand what uh, happened. Let me run a theory by you, Connor, and, and let me know what you think. Please. I think Trump fatigue uh, was a reason that he lost. I mean, if, if you don't like him and you're exhausted and you just want it to end, mm-hmm. even though you're officially in his base, even though you love Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Right. I mean, nobody likes perpetual exhaustion. So I think the idea was he was doomed by his personality 
and certainly the fact that it was perceived that he messed up massively on COVID, that that interfered with the, his ability to say, you know, you may not like me, but doggone it, look at the economy and so on. Is it as simple as that? Is it is as simple as not so much Trump uh, exhaustion mm-hmm. or the, the the hatred for Trump? It's just the exhaustion factor that allowed yeah. people to, to bail out on I him. don't think so. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's a lot more complicated by that as evidenced by a bunch of things, but primarily the fact that Trump got the second most, second highest number of votes for president of anyone in American history in a presidential election. Yeah, pretty and astounding. It, it was astounding. Biden smashed the record, but Trump is right behind him. So this is a guy who it he didn't exhaust his base. His base did not get fed up with being viewed as the bad guys. They were energized by that. They were brought together by that. We're talking boat parades and truck parades and counter-protesting. And uh, this was a group of people who were voting for their candidate, for Donald Trump. People wanted Donald Trump back. I mean, that's not exhaustion to me. So how do you explain the polls being so wrong? Because every single major poll, 7 points, 8 points, 10 percent for Biden, kind of creeping up over the last few months. Yeah. I mean, is it simply a matter of the shy Trump voters fooling everybody because far more people than we thought were reluctant to tell the truth to the pollsters? I don't think that there is a shy Trump voter on planet Earth. I, I mean, look at the the MAGA rallies, right? Look at the boat parades and truck parades. This is not a gr- shy group of people that 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 value shyness, right? That, there's no hesitance to show that you're supporting Biden among millions and millions and millions of Americans. I mean, uh, Trump. This is, I think, it's a it's a it's a structural or systematic problem with polling about how they reach different demographic groups and people and how po- telephone polling, which is okay, the primary let's assume way you're right. It. I happen to think that there's a gigantic shy Trump factor okay. out there, but I'm no political scientist. I'm sure. not George Gallup. You disagree. Who knows who's right? There's definitely so something. Let's wrong. say let's say you're right. There's no such thing as the shy Trump voter, or basically it's insignificant. Why were they wrong? Yeah. I mean, we don't What's know. What's the explanation and if not the, shy Trump? The pollsters are all writing that article right now, you know, and, and it'll all be on newsstands next week and on websites next week where they all look around and go, oh, my gosh, in 2016, we were all wrong. We all came up with excuses mm-hmm. about why we were wrong and started saying, well, it was within the margin of error. And, you know, these things happen and 10 percent chances or 20 percent chances come in 10 or 20 percent of the time. And that's all true. And that works one time. But when it happens again, even bigger, we start to ask really serious questions about this, uh, the polling methodology and say, is it, is this actually a 10% chance that came in or is it an 80% chance that came in and you just think it was a 10% chance and came in? Because if it happens eight out of 10 of the next presidential elections, you can't tell me that that was actually a 10% chance every time because you don't hit a 10 percenter eight out of 10 times. You know, this is, this is a, a problem that these uh, polling scientists, these are scientists, data scientists, uh, data engineers, uh, pollsters, they're, you know, they're experts at this, but it's an incredibly complicated, difficult thing to do. The Republicans have figured out uh, the their online presence better than a lot of the Democrats have. And a lot of the Democrats, I think, personally, are stuck in the world of 
uh, being poll obsessed. I think they're stuck in the past, um, and I think that comes with their attitude. Well, I Democrats, think you're right about all this, but but that doesn't give us an answer. What? It, oh, you're it, right. Do we have any speculation? I don't, I don't think anyone does. I mean, Nate Silver is out there. He's the poll yeah. aggregator. He's the most visible face in America talking about polls, well, and me, he's literally on Twitter saying, I, "I don't get it. We don't we don't understand. Maybe this is within the margin so of error. Maybe it's my, not. Maybe there's something wrong with the polls. Maybe now that's not fair to the Polish people. Yeah. Let me give you my theory as to what's okay. Going on here, I think the Trump uh, shy Trump factor is a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it; he's the closest thing to uh, to Adolf Hitler in terms of how he's been characterized by the major uh, media and, and the progressives in the last four mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So there's a lot of social shame and stigma to anybody coming out. You can have your boat parades, you know, where everybody is clustering and saying, you know, we like Trump and we're throwing our masks into the ocean. But in general, across society, you know, you stick your head up and say you're a Trump voter and you're going to get your head blown off. So I, I personally think that's a factor. So here's my theory. The nation is not exactly evenly split. Democrats have an edge, but it's kind of basically split. I mean, we got Republicans and then we got Democrats. We had three terms of Reagan and Bush, and then we had two terms of Clinton Democrat. And then we had two terms of George Bush, and then we had two terms of Obama. And then we had one term of Trump, unbelievably, and now we're going to have one or more Trumps of Democrats. It's a back and forth pendulum. And so when you see uh, what is it, 52-48, basically, the vote for, for Biden and Trump? 50-40. It's more like 50-point and versus 48-point. Okay, so 50-40. So pretty just, close. Just 50.7, I think, when you see for Trump, that, for Biden. And when you see that in the context of the guy who just barely lost, and yeah. as you say, he broke all records except for Biden because of the huge turnout, yeah. I think what it means is that the American public— they're set in their ways. People know where they stand on the on the uh, the uh, spectrum. There are progressives and there are libertarians. There are liberals and there are conservatives. And there are a lot of centrists. And they basically, in this election, I think, stuck with their spot on the ideological spectrum. And why would Trump's personality not be a big factor? Here's my theory. I think, you know, the old joke about lawyers, oh, how do you know a lawyer is lying? His lips are moving. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. As lawyers, you and I just don't like that mm-hmm. joke. But, but it's, it's a, a, a joke. It's, it's a meme. Same thing with politicians. Yeah. Don't every, doesn't everybody in America suspect that politicians are like lawyers? If their lips are moving, they're lying. Now, Trump happens to be more arrogant and more deceitful than just about any politician you're going to come across. Right. But I think that he isn't so much more along those lines. It's instead the fact that he's so bad at hiding it. Mm -hmm. He's such a bad liar. Mm -hmm. And he is so arrogant. But when you cut open most politicians and count the rings, I think you're going to see a liar and an arrogant person. He's just not quite as bad a liar and is quite as arrogant. So although we've been obsessed in the last four years with how off the charts bad this guy is, we'd never invite him home to Sunday dinner. Right. We still just see him as another politician. And I think that's why he was 50-48. People in this country are... Uh, are just lumped in those two categories. You, you think I'm missing something? No, I think what you're saying actually, I think it's a little different than what you're saying, but what you're saying is it, it highlights the reality of the situation that people don't trust politicians, they don't trust the political establishment because the political establishment is constantly maintaining the status quo. And most people see that the status quo has problems. They look around and they say the world should improve in some way. I think what we what we see from Democrats uh, this year, they they're going to win. They have won the presidency, but they're stuck in the Senate. They should have picked up more seats than they did. They didn't. They 
lost a bunch of seats in the House. Uh, they underperformed not just the polling errors, but they underperformed expectations based on how many uh, seats were available. They weren't supposed to do so badly. They did very badly in state legislatures, as I'm uh, uh, you know, sort of hearing people talk about across the country. And why is that? In, in large part, that's what Democrats are doing, rolling around in their heads right now, is trying to see why did we barely win with Biden? And why did we lose in a lot of other scenarios uh, with a bunch of these moderates? And the progressives in the party are pointing out that almost all of the candidates who went out there and tried to run through the middle of the road, and this is multi-layered, there's a lot of reasons why this might be, but the candidates who went out there and tried to run middle-of-the-road campaigns where they uh, said, we don't want to defund the police, and we don't want anything radical like Medicare for all, we're just kind of Democrats, we're going to be good people, we're going to help protect the environment, and you know, civil rights are good, etc. Those people lost. And the, the more radical, the more progressive the candidate, the more likely they were to say defund the police, more likely they were to say Green New Deal, the more likely they were especially to say Medicare for all, the better they did. And so the progressives are trumpeting this as more like America is more progressive than we think it is. I don't think that's true. I am more convinced by the fact that every politician has to run on a small geographic scale. And so all these tiny geographical chunks are, 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 are so they determine these these politicians fate and their positions initially. Right. If you're a middle of the road, anti defund the police Democrat, anti Medicare for all Democrat, why are you that person and why are you running for this seat? It's because you're running in a more conservative place. And if you're running in a more conservative place, you've got more Trump voters turning out there. Whereas if you're running in a more progressive place, you've got more excited Biden yeah. voters turning out there. So probably I don't, think, I don't think we can look at the results of this election and say, what is it the American people really are or really want because of that factor of that, that obfuscates the result that more progressives come out and get more excited for the more progressive candidates because they're already there voting for Biden as, and to vote against Trump. Overall, I had a really interesting conversation with a, a bunch of folks online recently where we were talking about uh, the phenomenon of the Bernie Trump voter. And the Bernie Trump voter or the Trump Bernie voter, either way, uh, the idea that I just don't understand how this person can exist. How do they put both uh, legs uh, through their pants in the morning without getting them confused and putting both pant uh, legs in the same uh, pant leg? It, it just, it, it just I'm seems curious. I'd like to know how one person could in one election go for Bernie and the next. Right. And but actually, let's take our break. You'll give the answer after the break because I'm I'm a little skeptical about the existence. I figured of, it out. So I got it. Don't worry. Of this combination zebra and mule. <laughs> uh, but first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you're loving the podcast and if you're in a good mood because uh, the orange uh, bad orange man is gone uh, please uh, check us out on Apple uh, Apple podcasts and iTunes and go on there and leave us a review uh, leave us a you know, star review but also leave us a little note and say you know the show's great etc cetera, etc cetera, you know and, and if you want to share the uh, a link to the this episode or any other episode that we did that you especially like with your friends your family we really appreciate that too because uh, you know we uh, have big egos and they need to be fed uh, like the little shop of horrors plant it needs your blood not big like Donald Trump, but, but you know, right. moderately That's big. Moderate. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. 
Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal I'm still Conrad. All right, so you got to explain this. Uh, you got some explaining to do, yeah, Conrad. Bernie uh, Trump. How could a, a, a same Trump human Bernie. being right. ever contemplate voting for both right. Bernie and Trump? Right. Look, the Bernie Trump voter looks like a zebra mule, right? This looks like a person who just doesn't make any sense, who, who who's ridiculous, and, and who, who just, who just uh, you know, picks you're, randomly. You're right? insulting dice, about 70% right? of the population right now. Right. But— I think it, what makes more sense to me is that both Bernie and Trump present a cohesive story and a, a manif- they are a manifestation of that story. They are saying, this is what's wrong with the world. I know what's wrong with the world, and I know what to do to fix it. If you're listening to Trump, he says, America's getting a raw deal. We're getting taken advantage of by our allies and exploited by our enemies. We are being regarded as a joke. We have to take back uh, our, the power in our trade uh, deals to tear those trade deals up. Uh, those uh, NATO and every other uh, international protection agreement, we're going to tear that up because these you know weaklings around the world are dragging us down, and we're America, gosh darn it, and we're bigger and better and stronger than everybody else, and we're going to fix everything. And that is a cohesive worldview to look at and hear and say, yes, who's the enemy? John China, Iran, North Korea, everybody. Well, Everybody's ask, the enemy. Let me ask you this about that. Uh, I can see how Bernie and Trump have a couple of things in common. Right. Number one, they don't engage in compromise. They've got this story you described, and therefore there's not a lot of flexibility. Doggone it, this is what's right, and we're not going to just wheel and deal and be regular Washington stuff. And number two, they both hate the elites. Trump is populism, and Bernie it's also populism. It's the power absolutely. structure, right? Yes. So, do you think that would draw them yeah, together? Even absolutely. though they're the specific definitely. solutions are so so different, oh, absolutely. like they're, they're kill absolutely. Roe versus Wade yes. versus socialized medicine. Dramatically different perspectives, but they're both populists. And while you can say, it does just it suggest people who are this uh, combo of the zebra and the mule are just not very bright because they don't think through the fact that one election they voted to get rid of abortion rights, and the next election they voted to implement socialized medicine? No, I, I don't think so at all. I mean. I, I view the Ber- the Bernie Trump voter as somebody who is like you, you could say like they're not bright because they don't know much about politics. But who knows much about politics really? We know more about you know baseball Carl and Rove. football than uh, than po- about politics. We know politicians. We know what they say to us. But I'll tell you what: when a lot of people uh, listen to a Democrat say, "I'm going to fix uh, you know the 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 world," and you go, "Okay, what's wrong with the world, and how are you going to fix it?" and their answer is. No one, as famously uh, Joe Kennedy uh, 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 tweeted this before he lost to uh, Ed Markey. Uh, he, he said, nobody in this country should have to face medical bankruptcy in the middle of a global pandemic without a lawyer by their side. And that's why we're going to get lawyers. Shut up! 
up. Who cares? <laughs> Lawyer by their side. How about nobody should face medical bankruptcy in a pandemic? End of tweet. Period. Put a period on it, Joe. I don't like that's what the problem with Democrats is, is they have this idea that like, oh, we'll change this one tiny little thing and it'll all make it better. And, and you'll accept this crumb, this platitude that I give to you. Bernie doesn't say that. Bernie says, I'm going to make sure nobody goes bankrupt when they are dying of cancer. Right. And Trump says, I'm going to make sure no coal workers left behind. Now, is Trump dead wrong about how coal works? Yes. Is Bernie right about how Medicare should work? Yes. Right, and that's so why I agree with him. But they're both populists who say, I have a specific worldview. The elites are the problem. The power structure is the problem. I'm going to blow it up and I'm going to help you, the little guy, because your rights have been, that's populism, right? Your interests are being disregarded by the political and social elite. And I'm going to change the status quo. So if somebody says, you know, if they're a populist and they want to change the status quo and it's uh, Trump versus Hillary, boom, let's go Trump. And then if it's right, Biden so versus explained, Bernie, boom, let's you, go Bernie. You've explained the, these people. Uh, do you disagree with the view a lot of people have that the progressives are really glum because they teed up open borders, defund the police, socialized medicine, Green New Deal, income equality, and nobody saluted. They didn't nominate the progressive nominee, and the close vote suggests that America is not ready to go down that road. I think a lot of progressives are unhappy, but I think that the... the uh, Mixed because, with extreme happiness. Right, yeah. They're unhappy because they didn't get uh, everything they wanted. They didn't get this landslide. Now, they did get a numerical landslide that Donald Trump, of course, would call a landslide because it's bigger than the margin that he beat Hillary by right. in the Electoral College, probably going to be eventually, uh, or close, and definitely in the popular vote. But this is... This is, you know, uh, something that the Democrats, if they're smart, can frame as we do have a mandate. Look at the five million more people in this country that cared enough to go out to vote who want our agenda and who want, you know, dramatic change. That that could be a mandate. I mean, it's all made up anyway. Right. Like, let's create the narrative that, you know, we're going to actually go get things done. I think a lot of progressives are feeling glum right now because their favorite, uh, you know, uh, their favorite. Uh, president favored president, but not favorite president won. Uh, but but it felt like a squeaker because it took a week. But really, the fact that it took a week doesn't change the number of votes that were cast. Right. right? Yeah, this this just was, a function of the pandemic. And right. Late voting and so exactly. On. This is actually uh, uh, this is actually a big win for uh, uh, for Democrats to get the presidency from Trump and to to kick Trump out. Uh, an incumbent president losing and not being a two termer is a really unusual. really big deal. It's very Last unusual. Last time was uh, George H. Uh, w. Bush in nineteen ninety two when he lost to Clinton a long time ago. This is. Uh, as we described, the most progressive candidates on the ballot uh, from the squad and AOC and and, and uh, progressive senators and all the rest, the more progressive they were, the better they did. And so you can draw from that one conclusion. I don't. I go the other way because I'm sort of more of a, 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 a outside factors and geography determines destiny kind of person in terms of voting. But but you can easily draw a perspective that the more progressive candidates won. And when the more progressive candidates win and when the, the popular vote is massively by millions of people in in the direction of the progressives, I don't think you can say that anyone has rejected uh, the uh, these uh, these progressive ideas. These progressive ideas are still on the table, and we will have to see if you think if you believe in the concept of the Bernie 
uh, Trump voter. And the idea that populism is popular, which yeah. it obviously is because 70, you know, 60 million people showed up for Trump's populism and millions of people showed up for for uh, Bernie's populism, although not enough to take the Dem- Democratic Party. That may be that you've got enough populist fervor on the right to, to elect a president and enough populist fervor on the the left to make him the second you know in in second choice for president beating out all of the other very you know very capable people kamala harrison included you know all beat Buttigieg, all these very popular people they got their butts handed to them by bernie for a while before bernie got his butt handed to him i mean populism is popular for a reason yep, and, it, and it i is. think i think you're right that uh, that uh, a lot of progressives are unhappy i don't think they should be so let's do a, a lightning round we're going to go Ooh, over okay. two or three quick questions and then after that we'll take our our final pause and i'm going to come back and tell you about the litigation path to victory for donald trump oh, because he hasn't given up <laughs> That's and uh, samuel alito justice of the u.s supreme court uh, gave him a little help the other day so we'll talk about that but before we get to that the lightning round questions. Yeah, okay mm-hmm. first of all <laughs> Uh, will will the bruise to Donald Trump's ego heal sufficiently by January 20 inauguration day for him to ride with Joe Biden in the limo to the inauguration, which is the tradition? You yep. show up at the at the White House, and the uh, outgoing president goes with the new winner. I think they'll try will to make that him, happen. I think they'll try to make him wear a mask, and he'll refuse. <laughs> so uh, you don't think? Uh, I think there's Donald a zero percent zero percent chance that Don, uh, Donald Trump uh, rides with Biden. Uh, uh, although, of course, we. Uh, here on the pod are riding with Biden. Uh, Donald Trump will not. Uh, okay. I, I don't think he'll show up to the inauguration at all. I think that he will, uh, just like uh, John Adams, uh, just uh, be busy that day because he w- he's maintaining the story that the, the the election was stolen from him, and it's all part of his plan to run again in 2024. Well, that was my second lightning round question, right. and, and maybe it ties in. Will he run in 24? Do you think he will? And mm-hmm. how will he do? And how could the other Republicans thwart him? And relatedly to the first question, do you think if he doesn't show up, mm-hmm. it would be such a taint as a sore loser that it would hurt him in 2024 or no big deal? I don't think it'll be a big deal. I think he's a shoe in for 2024. I think he will destroy, just smash uh, his way through uh, the Republican primary and uh, and and be on the ballot again. Um against uh, uh, Biden for round two. What about this idea for a strategy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden, excuse me, Rubio and Romney and Ted Cruz All and, team and up. Jeb Bush. They form in, SEAL in Team his, 7. With his exclamation they point. They take Trump down. <laughs> they all get together and they make a pact. They say, look, we're just going to scrap like crazy. Um, Donald's going to run again. Uh, on February 1, basically the brink of the primary season, whoever's ahead, everybody else will fold, throw their cards in and say, just like we're the booty judges of the world did we're for with the leader. Yeah. Uh, Do you think that would be enough to overcome Trump? Because let's face it, in spite of the fact that so many millions of people voted for Trump just a few days ago, a lot of them are going to be saying, you know, it was exhausting and we held our nose. Mm -hmm. And my gosh, that Mitt Romney is a handsome fellow. He is a handsome devil. Don't you think that strategy might work? I think it might work. It's possible. It's hard to tell these things. I think uh, that if they were able to do that, they'd, they'd stand a chance against Trump. I think they probably won't co- coordinate like that. But let's pretend that they did. And hypothetically, I think it's extremely competitive. And I would probably give the edge to uh, to Trump. The problem really is, how do you go from being Trump's bootlicking lackey for the last four years after he became president, them talking about how great he is and how he's doing everything he possibly could and how the tax cuts were amazing and how he's the best politician of all time and how he gets such a raw and unfair deal. And all that is Trump's exact message for 2023 and 2024. And then they turn around and say, how do they portray themselves as better than Trump? 
as the Republican candidate. They have to turn their back on everything they've ever said about Trump. We'll get six Supreme Court justices yeah. if you elect us. True. Of course, they already turned their back and, and changed everything they said about Trump once, right? They 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 crapped all over him in the uh, primaries before he got the nomination, and then they reversed it's everything just politics. and jumped behind him. Right, but are people going to be upset by that? Donald was kidding when he said, my dad killed Kennedy. God. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, was the first debate performance by Trump the reason he lost? If he had mm. behaved the way he did the second time, uh, he didn't interrupt. Uh, he let Joe talk. Uh, the ratings were much higher, the, the approval uh, of Trump's second time. You think if he hadn't been such a jerk about interrupting and turning the whole nation off, you think that, I mean, this is a close election. That You think that might have made the difference? It was a close election. Well, it wasn't a numerically close election. I, I don't I think that that largely turned off and made unhappy people who were already like going in whenever you watch something that you that is bad, objectively bad. But if you go in with a perspective that's negative and, and you go in not wanting to like it, you're going to be predisposed. And, and then the reviews were really, so really poor badly. that the great middle, the tens of millions were kind of in the under. Mm, right. Sometimes we vote Democrats. Sometimes. I mean, you're right. Maybe that was maybe that was the nail in the coffin. Frankly, I think more people care uh, about um, uh, about his covid response and about his undermining of institutions and about his disrespect for veterans and everything else that that they feel are probably more important issues. I think a lot of uh, Trump conservatives already knew before that d- debate who Donald Trump is. They knew that they were just holding their nose and voting for him, the, the, the people you're describing. And it wouldn't really matter if he did anything short of shoot somebody in the mouth on Fifth Avenue. And he <laughs> shot 230,000 Americans in the mouth and Have didn't care about it already. the body part that he's shooting on Fifth Avenue? I thought it was just a generic shooting. Oh, maybe you're right, yeah. I mean, this is, I think people already knew who Donald Trump was, and the people who liked <laughs> yep. him liked him. And the people who disliked him, it made them dislike him more, but not enough to actually change their vote to Sleepy Joe. When we come back, as promised, I'm going to describe the path to victory by Donald Trump's litigation team. And also we'll give you our uh, Moron of the Week. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm still Connor Oaks. So before we get to the litigation path, Connor, let's just lay this moron of the week. Okay. Candidate on people. It's a Huntington Beach, California restaurant owner. The restaurant is called Basilico's Pasta e Vino. A California native. I like him already. Yeah, what did he say? Probably not doing a very good job of Italian pronunciation. So his uh, rebellious, the rebellious owner of this restaurant is a fellow named Tony Roman, believe it or not. Uh, does he, he maybe uh, put a different kind of sauce on the pasta and that's why he's rebellious? No, he puts a different kind of uh, object on his face, which is uh, nothing. He, he does not allow masks. He won't let his employees wear masks. 
masks, oh and he God. won't let customers wear masks. Oh my he God. says, for me, it's a cultural thing to see Americans being a force to mask up. It's almost a white to, like a white to flag. <laughs> That's not a very good accent, is it? <laughs> we should not be forced to wear a mask, especially if you're healthy. We here at Hilton Hotels say no condoms allowed in our hotel rooms, and you, if you wear one, we'll kick you out. Yeah, if Roman Catholic, strict Roman Catholic owned uh, yeah, hotel chain. Exactly. It's our rule. If they don't want to work here, they don't have to work here. So, my goodness, isn't this a strong candidate for more under the way? Absolutely. I, I get that people disagree about masks. I think, you know, it's kind of stupid to to deny the efficacy of masks to save lives. Yeah, but they're kind of the uncomfortable and annoying, disease. and that's why people don't like but them. But to say my employees may not wear them and my customers Complete may not bonkers. wear them because yeah, nuts. what the hell Insane. is wrong and with it, the guy? Not just, like, obviously shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, in terms of uh, you live in California it's not like there's enough crazy people maybe there are enough crazy people in Los Angeles to sustain this guy I don't even know but like bringing down the legal ramifications of trying to force your employees to break the law I'm sure 100% sure that there's California law about you know employees wearing masks in uh, in in food service he's nuts and it's unfortunately uh, I think a symptom of the fact that we've got a a right-wing media machine that has given a lot of Americans brain worms and we're not going to cure those overnight I, I don't know what the solution is uh, but it's it's certainly not to let these people do crazy things like force their employees uh, to either give up their job uh, or risk death. So I don't know what the solution is, but that's why you got government to make these hard calls for us. So let's talk litigation. You're celebrating, Connor, but you know, it's, who knows? Maybe Trump will still pull it out of the court. So here's, yeah, the here's what who, he's saying. The guy who got tricked by Borat uh, last week is really going to pull <laughs> this one out. Rudy Giuliani, Come on, right. Rudy. Um, I hope Rudy got a lot of money for his uh, guest appearance in the Borat movie. So <laughs> let's check. first let's talk about what, what the litigation is, is really not about. It's not about, oh, my goodness, uh, we wanted to be there watching the, the counters, and uh, it's not transparent, and they put us 30 feet away. We wanted to be six feet away. Yeah. Eh, who cares? You know, no big deal. Not gonna work. It's not about, oh, well, you know, they, they accepted some ballots even though the postmarked was smudged. Some jurisdictions said we're going to give the benefit of the doubt of the voter uh, to the voter if the postmark was smudged, or some jurisdictions they didn't cross-check for absentee ballot signatures. You, you you submit your request to do absentee or mail-in. You you sign your name, and then when the 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 ballot comes in, they're supposed to look and see that the signatures match, which is a good idea because that's a nice way to prevent voter fraud. The, the signatures should yeah, match. except signature matching is yeah. complete nonsense, uh, fake science. There's nothing behind. And, it, and yeah. whether it is or not, though, it's not going to make a difference because it's a handful of votes and so on. Right. What we're talking about are the late arrivals. Votes. What, what are we talking about in terms of late arriving? Well, it's this. Pre-pandemic, the general rule was you can vote absentee, and every once in a while you can vote by mail, the military and some other circumstances. But doggone it, the default setting was you have to make sure your ballot is a, arrives in the hands of the election officials by election day, close of the polls, 8 o'clock. It either shows up then or it doesn't. And if it right. shows up late, it doesn't get counted. That right. was pre-pandemic. Pandemic comes along, and a lot of people around the country said, you know what, that's just not fair. You know, people are, are mailing, they're confused. We're going to give them a few extra days. Yeah, there Once, are problems with the mail. Louis DeJoy shut down a mail. lot of mail sorting machines, sure. slowed things down because he was probably trying to help Trump win the election. So Wisconsin says, oh, we're going to give you three extra days. And Pennsylvania says, we'll give you six extra days. And Ohio, we'll give you 12 extra days. Various different rules. So what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that the Constitution says that the states set up election 
rules. And the principle around the country is that only state legislatures may change the election rules. And in many cases, these extensions of deadlines for ballots to come in were changed not by state legislatures, but by a federal judge who just felt that was the right thing to do, or the election officials who felt it was the right thing to do. So the Trump legal team is fanning out and filing federal and state cases, arguing that these late arriving ballots should not be counted. And they literally are are saying, I I shouldn't say literally because that's my pet peeve, they're figuratively in two different buckets. So all the ballots that came in by 8 p.m. Tuesday go in one bucket. All the ballots that showed up after that go in a second bucket. They call that segregating. Segregating ballots, an unfortunate term. (laughs) And and judges, including uh, Justice Samuel Alito, the U.S. Supreme Court, have been on on board with the idea. Yeah, just Alito, he wrote a little tiny opinion all on his own, just him saying... Uh, you're right, segregation of ballots is a good idea Right to preserve that issue. So this is a big picture idea, uh, uh, the concept that people actually, depending on the closeness of the elections and depending on what state you're talking about, in fact, you could change the election. So that is the Hail Mary pass that Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump at the crematorium and the adult uh, bookstore— <laughs> At the Four Seasons uh, landscaping, landscaping parking lot probably. in Philadelphia, are going to be throwing. Okay, they, they're going to try to get. Uh, the, and, and what they hope is, what Trump hopes is, uh, he hopes that this can work its way because there's a federal issue involved somehow. They're raising federal issues right. through the federal system and arrive at the doorstep of the United States Supreme Court, where Trump has the fond hope that because he has appointed three justices and they're really grateful justices, that they will somehow do what the Supreme Court did for George Bush in 2000, right. namely save his bacon, turn it around, right. say these are late, ba- you should yeah. just stop counting yeah. as of 8 p.m. Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not going to go to Vegas and bet on the chance <laughs> well, of success. Well, it depends what the odds are. Well, that's true. If the odds are good enough, uh, and I have to don't don't have to bet my entire house, yeah. then I'll do it. But I, so that's what they're they're going for. I don't think you're going to find too many lawyers you're uh, right. counting on uh, you're gonna, likelihood of success. You're going to struggle. I mean, it's not really at the bottom of all of it. It's just not close enough. You'd need the the Supreme Court to somehow end up hearing petitions over the results of multiple states because Georgia and Pennsylvania. And and Nevada are all going Biden, right? And as is Arizona. So even if Trump did win Pennsylvania, it wouldn't help him, no, because it, Trump uh, Biden was sitting on two sixty four for a long time, right? He just all he needed, needed Nevada was any of the three: yes. Nevada, Georgia, or Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania. And he ended up getting all three of them, so right. and including the two big ones. And the big ones, Pennsylvania specifically, is big enough to subsume Arizona and Nevada, or. Nevada, uh, Nevada and uh, Georgia. So you're you're talking uh, uh, a massive, ca- multiple cases that will overturn the result in multiple states after every reputable news organization has now called the election. This is not going to be in front of the Supreme Court for, I don't know, a couple of weeks at least after it has to go up through multiple levels of lower federal courts or state courts, state Supreme Courts, and then go to Trump, then go to the Supreme Court after that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. There's just no way he can do it. At this point, it's all theater. It's all a, a matter of him setting up his 2024 run. There's no other explanation in my mind for why he would continue to pursue this. Well, if you listen to Nancy Pelosi, you know Donald Trump is morbidly obese. Yeah. We know he had COVID. So mm-hmm. what are the chances that his health is going to be good enough to support a, a stressful presidential run in 2023 and 2024? I have a lot of bad things to say about Trump, um, but... Uh, the man certainly has the energy level of a younger mm-hmm. uh, creature. 
Um, he is uh, not been cursed uh, with uh, the, the, the plights of, of old age that some people have. Biden has slowed down some since he was a firebrand in the 80s and, and early 90s. That's okay. You know, it's fine to be slower when you're in your 70s. Uh, Trump has not slowed down. So he, he has the uh, demeanor of a much younger man, and he will, I think, face uh, no uh, problems on the health front. Uh, besides, he'll just get a, a fake made-up doctor to tell uh, the American people that he's the most healthiest sounds man like, in, in the country. Sounds like Connor Oaks has just had, had the very first endorsement of Donald Trump for 2020. I officially the endorse that Donald Trump is a high-energy creature. Thanks for listening, folks, on this uh, momentous week. We'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.